0: You're listening to 101.9 FM, LP Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here, and welcome to Drinks with Tony. This week, my guest is Duncan Birmingham. He's the author of The Cult in My Garage. His new film is out. It's called Who Invited Them? Duncan and I discuss being shamed by our fathers. Working on Blunt Talk and Marin. His new film, Who Invited Them?, our mutual pubescent desires for Jamie Lee Curtis, and so much more.
1: Hi, I'm Duncan Birmingham, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. on
0: the Drinks with Tony show. Yeah. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Duncan Birmingham. He's the author of, his latest book is, The Cult in My Garage. Duncan, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, just happy to be here, Tony. Like be here on earth or be here like talking? Both. Both. Yeah. Earth's kind of cool, huh? It's like, if you really think about it, happy to be here. If we weren't here, it might be very distressful. Well, there are certain days I wake up and I'm I'm not happy to be here. <laughs> right. Exactly. But, yeah. if, but in those days, if you just happen to disappear and not exist, would that be even more of a problem, or would that solve the problem? I mean, who would feed my dog? I think it would be more of a problem yeah I, think
1: I more of a problem I think I agree. I'm hoping someone would notice <laughs> See, <that's the> thing. <laughs> I mean, you'd be talking to yourself on this podcast, so yeah i I think it's
0: a good thing we're both here, right, and people might not even be listening. I could be in a parallel universe and just talking to the air <laughs> which is which is what. You know what? What it it kind of feels that way anyway. Most of the that's time. that's the beauty of podcasting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The um. Oh my god! So I I didn't tell you this before we were recording, but I like I, I love Canopy, and, and I love everything about the library. Right. So I get on Canopy a couple of days ago, and I'm just like sitting there going up, but up, but up, and then it's like Duncan Birmingham picks, and I'm like, wow, this guy is like. That's like high level stuff. How did that happen? It's pretty sweet. I'd like to, I want to
1: say they like reached out and begged me to make some picks. No, I was tweeting about how much I love Canopy and uh, their Twitter account picked it up. Yeah. somebody DM'd and they were like, if you want to do some, I mean, I guess they did reach out, but I was, I was tweeting about how much I love Canopy and uh, it took them a while to put it up. I feel like I picked those uh, this summer. But, yeah, yeah, I'm a I'm a huge canopy person. I mean, it's it's all on there. It's all on there.
0: It's great and it, no, it's it's like amazing. I'm such I like libraries. Um, I mean, libraries essentially saved my life when I was younger, and because it's just like it's you get access, you get access to stuff for free if you can't afford it, you know. And just even having access to books is just amazing. Um, but. Then they got Canopy, which is the streaming service, which I say, you know, I tell people about it. They're like, wait, what? What's that? I'm like, it's better than Netflix. And it's just free if you got
1: a library card. It's really great. Yeah. I I, I apologize in advance. I
0: noticed only after. I picked a lot of downers. There's not That's, a lot of laughs on my well, list. I got to say, I was going to come up with that next because I was watching the one um, I, I had told Insomnia last night and I was watching the Philip Seymour Hoffman, Ethan Hawk. Um, oh before the devil is that before the devil knows you're dead right and it what a terrible title because it's just it's hard to remember yeah, yeah before the devil knows you're dead right it's a mouthful it is if you think about it but I you know I've come up with terrible titles myself too so I I get it but um, <laughs> but man I was like I was like watching that and then I was like looking at some of the other list and I'm like I hope Duncan's okay
1: <laughs> you know in in my defense i think they had me pick like 30 and then they just posted the ones that that are streaming currently because you know some of them are off on and off the app so uh yeah I, I i wish there was like a you know a babe or a sideways or something in there to lighten up the lighten up the mood
0: a meg ryan romantic comedy just i i would have like felt a little better about like what's going on inside you but but I mean, that Philip Seymour Hoffman, Ethan Hawke movie is pretty great. Did I don't know how, how much did you watch. So I, I was like watching it. And I'm like, man, I remember watching this when they came out, but I completely forgot the whole thing. And it's it is really good. What a what a what a um fantastic take on the heist genre.
1: Yeah, that is that is uh, that was Sidney Lumet's last movie. And I mean, to, to go out on that movie, I mean, it feels like a, you know, a 23 year old the Sundance
0: Kid made that movie. It is pure edge. That's right. I didn't know that was his last movie. I believe so. Wow. I mean, and it makes sense. He's such a, uh, that guy knows, uh, you know, I I feel like when it's a Sidney Lumet movie, there's a tone about it. I always just go straight back to Dog Day Afternoon. I mean, Dog Day Afternoon, just, I don't, there's something about it that just makes me feel anxious just the way it's shot and then all and then all of a sudden oh yeah all the lovely performances what great writing but just the anxiety of the visual it blows my mind
1: yeah feels like he knows uh he knows the city
0: yeah 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 oh that's interesting now marissa tome she shows her boobs a lot in that movie though did you know have you have you seen it recently i haven't seen it recently i do remember it opens
1: on a on a on a intense sex scene kind of a one-shot sex scene of her and philip seymour right that's i guess that's what i mean when i say like wow sydney lumet this this you know older classic directors you know he just opens this movie with a you know literal literal bang uh and it's it it feels like uh, just i don't know just kind of really edgy really provocative from the get-go um yeah i don't remember the rest of the nudity in there i guess i'm 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 picturing philip seymour Hoffman's
0: ass, kind of uh, yeah. A lot of the frame. I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up. No, no. I, Philip Seymour Hoffman's ass is pretty sweet, and so, yeah. and Ethan Hoth, Ethan Hawke's ass makes it in too. I was like, I was going, oh wow, really? we got we got some Ethan Hawke. So we got Ethan Hawke and Philip Seymour Ass, and we got Marissa Tomei boobs. I just loved how Philip Seymour, I love
1: their, their dynamic. I love that he described Ethan Hawke. He was the, you know, the cute weak brother that the parents still liked him better. Because he was just so cute. And yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman's just this, this sweaty monster.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh I still need to finish it. I, I can't remember how it ends, but I was like remembering the whole, like the heist. And I was just like, and the way it's cut just kind of blows my mind. So anyway, all I'm trying to say is fantastic taste, sir. And congratulations on being, on being in the canopy. I, I the first thing I opened up is Duncan Birmingham's picks. Well, that's great.
1: You know what? I haven't put it, I, I need to, I need to put it on the TV and see. I haven't looked at. The, yeah, no, that, that should be do like-
0: that tonight. I would, I would screenshot that and that would be the cover of all of my social media. I, I would, I would just, well, I I did, I did put the pics up on all my social media.
1: Okay, good. Yeah. Looks good. Let's be honest. That was the first thing I did.
0: Yeah. No. And that's, I mean, if it wasn't the first thing you did, want, I'd be very disappointed. Canopy clout. It's good clout. You know, that if it was like Netflix, I'd be like, who's he, who's he, who's he, who's he blowing? If it was like Netflix, I'd be getting
1: paid. (laughs) I would imagine.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Paid? What's paid? I don't know. I mean, I'll, yeah. Who who do I need to blow to get on Netflix? I guess. Right, right. Yeah, I haven't, like, you know, I haven't given a blow job to a fella, but I mean, there's things I would do, like, you know, dreams I want to make in life where I might switch up that, uh, not, you know, I might de virginize myself. Agreed agreed if anybody's yeah. listening if anyone in right. power is listening
1: <laughs> that goes back to is anybody listening right well they can they can tweet it to both of us we'll
0: see we'll see uh, the avalanche of dms that come in so you also you also bring up a very good thing about tweeting is when you do um say hey this is a great service they might actually dm you yeah yeah
1: yeah, I've had some nice, you know, people talk about Twitter. It is a cesspool and there's a lot of angry people on there um and a lot of bad takes uh just by the nature of they have to be quick takes. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'm on there talking to people about movies and yeah, I get friendly DMs and have met some nice people to have coffee with and I it's just I've never I don't think I've ever blocked anyone and I I would imagine I'm not blocked by anyone. I I feel like I feel like there's a way to do Twitter that uh you know doesn't involve your blood pressure skyrocketing (laughs) and uh, a lot of like
0: angry tweets being sent all day yeah yeah i mean i feel like i've done that with twitter too because i'm not good at it i don't feel like i'm good at it and i only follow a certain amount of people and i'm not engaging with anyone who's a freak it's you know someone's like let's put the dukes up and fight online i'm like "Eh." (laughs) that's the most you'll get (laughs) yeah but um oh yeah you did post though i did you posted um something <laughs> don't don't worry <laughs> well if i posted it i i probably will stand by unless it was like yeah. unless you're going to go back 10 years yeah 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 <laughs> back back when you posted that racist no no it had no you posted a list of uh films about it was like sad films oh yeah about a dudes. Bummer. Bummer buddy movies.
1: That's a bummer buddy movies. That, uh, that's my that's my coinage, and yes. I, I'm writing something um, about the movie Scarecrow uh, for for this magazine online. Um, I, I love that movie. I don't know if you've seen that with Gene Hackman and Al Pacino. No, but it's on
0: my list because of you. And I also watched uh, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot because of you. Oh wow. Okay. So yeah, I, I'm going through that list because I'm like that's like that speaks to
1: me. There's yeah, there's just some I mean, all the movie types of movies that I, I love, and I'm sure I bet you feel the same way. You know, Hollywood barely even makes any more. They hardly right. make anything. But in particular, there's a certain type of of uh, of movie that is like born of the 70s. That is a buddy movie. But it's not really a comedy. In fact, it's most—it's mostly like a melodrama that ends in horrible, awful tragedy. Um, and, and sometimes there's a road trip involved. So yeah, the last detail feels like the ultimate version of it: Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Uh, this movie, uh, Scarecrow, Mid- Midnight Cowboy has a little bit of a road trip element at the end, so it doesn't really count. But but yeah, I just couldn't think of a, a, a comparable uh movies even in the last 15 years someone tweeted at me um and they're a mississippi grind which is really good which is a lot like that altman movie uh about the gamblers is that uh california split um and that was that was kind of good although i don't know if the ending was as tragic but but yeah there are these movies where you're, you're just like wow people just signed off on hollywood just signed off on movies someone pitching like hey it's too Vagabonds, you know, busting around the country, getting drunk, singing songs, and going to a whorehouse, and then at the end, it gets real, real, real sad. And then someone was like, "Sold, I love
0: it. I want to live." Then I was thinking, like, because I watched Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, and it just—I remember seeing portions of it when I was a kid, and because it would just come on TV, you know, at some point, and then, but I never watched the whole movie. And then I looked at it where it was in Eastwood's career, and it was after Dirty Harry. And um, so he, I think he'd done two Dirty Harry movies and it was before the um, I'm a I'm a I'm a boxer with an orangutan franchise. Right. Love those. <laughs> so that was like his that was his jump from I need to not be taken so seriously. How about I'm in a pickup truck with an orangutan in the next movie?
1: And that was his biggest that was that movie made more money than Dirty Harry. It was yeah. huge yeah um, oh which one the, uh the first one is that any which way but loose oh yeah yeah So he's got it mixed up which because there are two i
0: think right i think you're right any which way but loose and then it's any which way you can yeah that's back yeah. when convoy and like the uh that's back when um the semi-truck movies were like the big thing yeah yeah i love convoy <laughs>
1: yeah and then um, there was go ahead i was just gonna say the, the, the interesting thing about S- scarecrow i saw it at the new beverly years ago and uh it was with a double feature and uh, Pacino was there. He was sitting right in front of me. No he got up in the way. middle of it. Tarantino, got up uh, after the first feature, which was another P- uh, Pacino movie. Um, uh, uh, the junkie movie, uh, Panic and Neal. Panic Park. and Neal. Your... Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Like I gotta, I, I've got got a surprise and he Tarantino was like pointing at me and I was like, what? He's pointing at me? And then uh, right in front of me, Pacino stood up and he hadn't seen the Scarecrow since it uh, came out. He didn't stay for the movie. He kind of hustled out twenty minutes into it. But I would always hear that he and Hackman didn't love the movie initially, and now they've come around to it. The, mo- the movie was kind of a bomb when it came out.
0: How much fun is it to live in Los Angeles? Because that doesn't happen anywhere. I mean, Los Angeles and New York. I don't think it happens anywhere else in the states.
1: Every time I'm I'm out of LA and I'm I'm someplace you know I mean every place is smaller, someplace smaller. I'm like, geez, maybe I could live here. The the, the uh, it feels like it's always the breaking point is that I like. Check out the movie theater.
0: Yeah. Or how far away
1: is the movie theater? Or what kind of movies does the movie theater show?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it's uh, it's, and there's there's like
0: and I do these huge gaps where I don't go to the New Beverly for like a long time, but it's just knowing it's there and knowing I can.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) I probably don't do it enough to like not buy a house somewhere in a in a smaller nicer town, but then (laughs) but it's just like but it doesn't have the option, and it's about the option. Right, I mean, we could be
1: living our best lives, you know, in some place where clean, fresh air and no crime. But you know, you might want to see a double feature, right? So clean water
0: without filters. You know, exactly. We're stuck here. No, we could have more youthful-looking skin. (laughs) My dog has bronchitis. I just brought
1: him to Big Bear. For a day, like his bronchitis disappears outside of LA. It's amazing. no way. Like you're, I'm driving back into the city, and he's all of a sudden he starts coughing. I'm like, oh, now we got to get get on the medication again. Wow, it's a very scary barometer of of just how uh, unhealthy
0: and what it's doing to us. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, what did you? What do you go to Big Bear for? Do you snowboard or are you? Uh... Uh,
1: I went to ski. I which you I ski- probably have done uh, maybe you know, five times in the past 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I went to ski just for the day. I wanted to do something different for the Super Bowl instead of. Oh, you you went yesterday. Eat eat a ton of chicken nachos and Buffalo wings and drink a ton of beer while I'm spacing out, not really watching the game. So yeah, I went skiing. It was great.
0: Wow. Isn't it great? It's a day trip too. It's that's what blows my mind.
1: It's unbelievable. And you're up there in the mountain and you're looking at the Big Bear Lake and it just, it looks gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. it It was, it was really great. And it probably wasn't crowded because it's Super Bowl. It uh, it wasn't too bad. I had heard there were long lines the previous weekend, so there uh-huh. there weren't really lines. I did hear they sold out the tickets, so I, I guess the mountain was full. But yeah, it was it was totally totally nice. Um, not not a ton of people. I mean, it, it was it was a, a healthy amount of people. It was not too crowded. Not long lines. Real easy. Yeah. No, when I don't, you bring... I don't work for Big Bear uh, Ski Mountain or anything. But, oh, yeah. yeah we're sponsored by Big Bear.
0: No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we're not sponsored by anybody. No. Um. What was I going to ask you? Do you bring your dog? Can you bring your dog on the hills or where does the dog go? Well, I did. My buddy had rented. A, he's
1: he's he's visiting L.A. He rented a, a place there for the night. So he spur of the moment went and was like, want to come? And I was like, yeah. So I brought the dog up. Uh, my dog's very old. He's a bit blind. He had a couple little accidents. Um, otherwise, I I bring him to a doggy hotel or I have you know, ask someone who can give him his diabetes shot. There's a lot going
0: on with my dog, but for this trip, I brought him. Yeah. He didn't come on the
1: mountain with me though. I right. Really right. Look at
0: and then he was, and, and he's a dog that's the canary in the landmine when you come back to LA and he starts coughing and you go, Oh yeah, we're exactly. all going to, we're all going to talk. <laughs>
1: he's looking at me. He's like, I'm dying here, but you need your double features every week. So I guess we'll just <laughs> gonna live here and I'm going to you know, expire a couple of years early.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I die, I hope you blame yourself because of your selfish needs of double features. Uh, Yeah, no, it's, it's
1: yin and yang. Those are basically the two only things that have going on in my life. I got those double features and the dog. That's yeah.
0: All,
1: that's all. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Dogs are fun. You know, it's I've been like I've been eyeing dogs, probably like a, a teenager with his per, first pubic hair, eyeing uh, women for the first time <laughs> for like 10 years. I'm like. I've been back and forth on it because I I live in an apartment, so I don't have a yard. And I'm like, and like everyone in this building has dogs. They have big dogs, but I see that they're crappy dog owners because I only see them take them out for to go to the bathroom. I'm like, you got you got a responsibility, people. You got to go socialize the dog. You got to do a lot of stuff. And also, you know, it kind of blows my mind when I some of these people, I just look at them like you bad dog owner. Just because you can doesn't mean you should.
1: Oh yeah, nothing nothing gets my dander up like a bad dog owner. Yeah, you, you really want to roll up a newspaper and just put them over your knee like a bad yeah. dog, like what you wouldn't do to a bad dog.
0: Right, exactly. And then some people, I just want to roll up with the newspaper and put them over my knee, even if they don't have a dog, just because they have sexual thoughts. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the dog I've had them for twelve years. First dog, they're they're uh, they're a commitment. They're a commitment. Yeah. But now now looking back, is the commitment worth it? I mean, you could sound like a crappy person on here, too. So feel free to, you know. The, the commitment is is worth it.
1: I mean, is if it? you've seen my Instagram, it is very dog heavy. There's so much joy I get out of this dog. He's yeah. like my midlife crisis, my Lamborghini, my yacht, my bungee jumping. My, he's just like so many things rolled in one. He's so fun. The diabetes is, is a little bit of a bummer. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, I mean, he's the ultimate party dog. I he's so easy to bring places people love him uh yeah snacks snacks is
0: uh is a lot of fun It's um I feel like dogs they what they do for us is they remind us that we're in the moment mm, I agree. Oh I love that. Yeah, it's just like I'm I'm here to, it's just like I got a pee and this is fun. I would let what why aren't you throwing a stick around because this is what we're supposed to do. Kind of like bringing us back down to like just, dude, you're just here. Just be here. Why are you worried? Yeah. I mean, if
1: sometimes I get a little scared where I'm thinking like, would I be in a healthy relationship or have something more going on if my dog wasn't here? Because let's say I go away and someone takes the dog and then he's not here. When I get here, I have to pick him up in the morning. My place feels so empty without the dog that I'm like, hold it. I, I, I couldn't live like this. I'm li- but I am living in some kind of limbo
0: where I've got the dog. He's almost like a person. Oh, so it may be. So the dog may all may be um, just that little edge of you not committing to a relationship when you might commit to a relationship and be living with someone.
1: Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I mean, is uh, I don't know. Maybe you, I would hit some kind of like loneliness, bottom out on some loneliness
0: mm-hmm. that isn't
1: happening because I have the dog. But, uh, snacks, right. you're keeping me from living my best life is what i'm maybe
0: you. yeah i mean
1: we're boring saving me
0: right right i don't know that's it that's yeah could be both a little
1: both i'll find out on my deathbed
0: yeah yeah I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be my i can't wait till i die because i'm gonna say that on my that's like that's, not, that's my last joke on my deathbed somewhere i'm gonna like grab someone's hand and they're like what what, Mister Duchesne? You know, because I'll because they'll be calling me Mister by the time I'm in my nineties. Rosebud, and, and they the won't gen, get the reference.
1: The Gen Z nurse, it'll go right over her head. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah,
0: I think he wanted flowers. He wanted flowers. I think everybody. <laughs> so I so you, are you're, you're, you're firmly in um, writing for TV and film as well as books. I'm, I'm, you know, whatever butters the bread or, uh, or is (laughs) that a sexual
1: term? Uh, I think (laughs) think that's buttering the muffin you're thinking.
0: Buttering the muffin. Okay. You're trying to
1: get me in in trouble, Tony. Uh, Then I was trying to think (laughs) of what, what is it when you butter bread, but you don't even have butter and it's just kind of like scraping the dry bread. That's, I feel like that's the business I'm in right now. I'm I'm Yeah miming buttering the bread um yeah you know i i work mostly in tv i i, I did the book because um i sent stories to lit mags for years and i got to a point where it's like jeez it feels like i almost have enough for a collection and they feel yeah. kind of like in the same vein um and then if uh if any of your listeners are into horror films or comedy films uh, uh i made a movie it's called who invited them and it is on shutter and amc plus Plus. And for some reason, in some areas, you can get it through Amazon. I I think if you have AMC Plus through, anyway, my parents saw it on Amazon.
0: Uh, that, oh, that's recent too, isn't it?
1: Yes, that's recent. That's just September. That's what I've been plugging. Uh, that's that's like been you know facing my life until uh, recently. So, did you write and direct that? I wrote and directed it. It uh, took a took a you know took a minute to get that uh, all together, and uh, got a great cast, and uh, we shot it last fall so we shot it you know in the kind of not the thick of covid but during
0: still COVID. enough still enough where there's like a, co- a covid protocol person yes. on set yeah, and just to,
1: just to make a already impossible task <laughs> that much more impossible um right. yeah so lo- lots of uh, lots of masking uh overnight shoots two-week shoot um yeah yeah a lot of challenges but a great great guy got so lucky with the cast got so lucky with the crew yeah. Was that your first feature that you wrote and directed? It was. It wow. was. I saw a bunch of, you know, really low budge shorts. I've uh, yeah. been doing shorts for years. And uh, before this movie, I'd shopped around another movie that was a, a dramedy. And I wasn't able to find the funding for that. I wrote this movie, which is kind of like a twist on a home invasion movie. And I think because it's got a, or maybe people just like the script better, but also because I think it has a little bit of, of horror in it. Uh, we were able to secure the funding and th- this one happened a lot faster. Um, huh. obviously than the other one that didn't happen at all
0: yeah um, but
1: yeah yeah no it was a great experience and uh, who knows who knows there could be a sequel yeah did you write it already or, or did... i have the pitch okay. i have the pitch if i if i got if i got the uh let's just say if i if i got some a little encouragement the script could be
0: written uh lickety split now, I don't think people realize that. I mean, when you, when you do a feature, especially as a writer and director, that's like a marathon because that, that just – that I mean, it takes forever, doesn't it? And then all of a sudden, you're out of hurry up and wait mode, and then you're just like not sleeping for weeks? Uh, Yes. Yes. It was all those things. It was all the
1: indie film cliche things that I hear when I'm at a film festival and, you know, the filmmakers talking and they talk about – you know this was falling apart and this wasn't working this person dropped down this person came in and then the you know the location fell apart and i would always listen to those stories and just be like these people just don't have their shit together these people right. just are not buttoned up uh but that's just the nature of it when it's when it's so low budget and you know if somebody somebody gets some great offer you know maybe they can't be in the movie anymore you know one one little thing changes and it's and you have to just shift uh shift everything with the schedule and it's yeah. uh yeah i did not Did not sleep well, um, but ultimately had a great,
0: a great time. Did you, were there any happy accidents where, um, where something fell through, but something better came out of it?
1: I I think there were, I mean, uh, you you know, uh, the, the, uh, because of the changing uh, dates, um, you know, uh, cast didn't come together till the last minute, really the, 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 what became the, the definitive cast that we used. And it was like the, you know, the movie gods were smiling on me. I got so lucky, uh, in particular, the four leads uh, not only were great and came in and nailed their roles that were all very difficult roles with basically no rehearsal. We had like a Zoom read um they were also just so fun to work with and uh and when i have showed the movie at film festivals and stuff people always assume they kind of knew each other because they they worked so well together they had not met each other before now they're all friends um so they 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 worked great they they, they turned in amazing four amazing performances on their own but they also worked amazingly as a an ensemble and as a first time director you know i'm I've been on plenty of sets as a producer, but it's it's obviously very different as a director. So so that I felt uh, I felt like they just had it from from day one. You know they they uh, they had such a good grasp of the characters and and the tones. You know a little different because it, it is a horror movie and it's kind of tense, but there was a lot of uh, comedy. But the comedy is very character driven and very dry. And they all got it and seemed to really enjoy it and dig in and it, it was great. It was great. So I, any any little thing that went uh wrong or unexpected with the film and there were plenty of those things all felt so small compared to that where i was like oh the four legs of this table are so sturdy uh you know i can only screw it up so much
0: when when now the first film festival screening were were you t- really tuned into the audience um with their silences and their how they were reacting audibly i was because uh because of
1: covid you know, we had a couple little screening test screenings at my house, little things like that. But we it was very hard to find a screening room in, in L.A. on on our budget to do test screenings. So uh, I'd seen it only with tiny little audiences of, of, you know, half a dozen friends or friends of friends. So the um, first film festival was in New Orleans, a fun fun fest called the Overlook Film Festival. And so I was nervous about not having seen it on a big screen, nervous about not having seen it with a big audience. And also very nervous because I haven't been to that many horror fests. And I was like, is this going to be scary enough? I, I'd, I'd seen a few movies in the day. I'd already been there. I'd seen, they'd been particularly like terrifying, gory movies. And I was like, oh, my God. Is people, are people just going to be like, what is this thing? Like, Where's where's the gore? Where's the blood? I, I just was worried it wasn't going to be bloody enough for someone. Uh-huh. Anyway, was very happy with the reaction. It was really... Warm crowd. Yeah, they laughed. The places I was hoping they would laugh. People seem to get tense up uh for the tense parts, and there was a Q and A after, and people asked the right questions as opposed to sometimes I feel like when you have a or when I'm when I'm seeing a movie at a film festival, the first question is like, "How much did it cost?" or something like right, that. Right, exactly. <laughs> so not the not the question I was hoping to get. So, how do new- I
0: get an agent? <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly, two part question. I hated your movie, and will you read my script? Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, mean, it's good. I like to know how much movies cost too, but just if that's like the first question out of the gate, it always feels a little like lackluster.
0: Right. Exactly. And then, and when I, I haven't done it in a long time, but I used to run a small film festival in San Francisco and I always did the Q and A's and they, and the filmmakers would always uh, come up and tell me and say, don't ask me about the budget. And I was just like. Yeah, not a problem. And I just, I just kind of learned, never ask anyone about, you know, don't initiate that. And then someone from the audience usually initiates it and goes, what was the budget? How did you get your financing? Who did you talk to? Can I get their phone numbers? (laughs) (laughs) Then the answer is like, no, no, no. Yes. Yeah. It's
1: more that's more like if you're I mean, people, you got to you got to learn somehow. Yeah, I think I think better strategy hit, hit the filmmaker up after in in the hallway. Oh, now we know. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that I, I think I'm actually giving a good tip because also then it's like it's one on one as opposed to myself or whoever the, whoever the person is talking, you know, they're sharing the information with everybody. And then it's like, well, I don't. Okay, you you know, you just pitch me your movie in the hall in thirty seconds, and I don't know. Maybe I might. You know, you might be able to get some some better advice. I think one on one.
0: Yeah, and 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 then also you can uh, you can suss out the person and just you can kind of see if they're crazy, yeah. or if they actually are serious and have been around for a while. You can kind of you can kind of tell with that grizzled look in their face and the tiredness in their eyes. Yes, right? you're looking right at me when you said that. That grizzled, tired <laughs> look because <laughs> that's how i feel right now too i'm just yes, like yes, it's just like too. it when you look when you look when you look worn out then you're like oh wait okay i get you yeah let, let's talk i can give you some tips <laughs> yeah yeah because uh, yeah I've,
1: I've been the person cornering the the filmmakers too so i yeah. i get it for sure
0: yeah yeah what's what's the difference when you're a producer versus a director like what kind of what kind of hat is a producer what how you were a producer i feel like producer is such a broad term you know it's thrown around so much
1: yeah well I, it is it is very very broad and i feel like everyone has a different definition it just kind of depends on what 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 uh, variety of producer are you the producer who you know flew in with the bag of money are you the producer right. who's uh, the the nuts and bolts, bolts person who's uh, there every day uh kind of deal putting out the putting out the fires um you know some people say that for features like a, a good producer, their, their job should almost be done the the, the day the cameras start rolling. Cause everything. Yeah. Um, so the producing that, that, that I referred to was, was in terms of uh, TV shows. Um, if, if, uh, if you are, you know, writing the show, uh, you know, early on, or you're, you know, at a certain level of the totem pole in the, in the writer's room, you are, you know, producing the show too. That's kind of part of your duties um so in those cases like I, I worked on the show Marin with Mark Marin
0: oh, I love that show
1: I thank you I, I was an executive producer on that be, because uh basically you know we had written the pilot presentation together um and in that it's you know you're 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 the person or you and the you know the other writer producers uh you, you know you're the team that the that, that wrote it and Mark's in the show so you're kind of just making sure that everything is matching up with what has been talked about in the writer's room and with the other producers and the directors. uh, Since they're, you know, not always there, you know, you get a director, he'll do one episode and maybe you have a different director and she'll do another episode They're you know, they're not a constant. So you have to have those writer producers in there that uh, are the through line from episode to episode. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, so it's it's different than uh, I've never produced a, a, a movie.
0: Right. Right. That makes sense because, you know, the directors coming in, they're kind of the everyone else, the cast and everyone's like very comfortable already um, And the writers room is comfortable. And then they're coming into kind of a, something that's already of a family. But we also need your point of view because it'll affect uh they can only affect it so much. They have to keep a certain continuity, I guess. Of... Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> continuity is, is definitely the right right word. But, uh, yeah. you know, hopefully they come in and, and have uh, ideas that, that nobody else would have thought of yet mm-hmm. and are able, obviously, to elicit performances and, and, and bring all these things out that, uh, y- you know, that a good director um does and, and it's nice on a show if you get you know there aren't too many directors it's nice on uh, a show i think on marin we had uh you know mostly like three on this other show i worked on blunt talk maybe there were like four um so there's there's not too many and everybody's you know pretty familiar with what the show is and what the tone is
0: i was an extra on blunt talk are you kidding what episode? <laughs> um i don't know um okay. it was we were okay. shooting in the um what's that hotel. That's not the hotel, the Bradbury building or something. The one where you can't. Yeah. The Bradbury building. Yeah. A blade
1: runner territory. Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. Am I the one with the, with the manual elevator where the guy's like kind of like in the elevator. Yep. Season two. Yeah. So I was on, I I was in holding and uh, on that day. um, And I'm out of focus. My shoes might be out of focus. Okay. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) Were you, uh, were you
0: a, uh, a businessman in the building yes yeah
1: okay yeah okay yes i remember yes that was uh, were you on set that day i was on set that day yeah i i I, I think we have pat pat healy a wonderful actor he's a he's a cop and he's arresting patrick stewart and patrick's son daniel is there and uh, i think there was a we have a chase with patrick and his butler Uh um, adrian scarborough and uh yeah there were a lot of a lot of hijinks in that building
0: yeah, because uh, I saw Jonathan Ames coming in. it. Because when we were in holding, in one of those rooms, the writer's room was right behind us, and so uh, Ames was coming in and out of um, there. And you might have been in that writer's room. I was probably in that writer's room, and uh, yeah, yeah. That's why when what we met uh, at uh, Gabriel Hart's reading, I like I smelled you, and I went, "Oh, this smells so familiar."
1: This guy's—I've—I've so I've smelled this guy's pastrami <laughs> breath before at a blunt talk he's, he's always eating a pastrami sandwich.
0: I um, I it was it's cuz I that was probably the I did a lot of extra work just for extra money and it was uh it was fun. I remember walking to that set cuz it was so much fun cuz you know uh, where they had us park and then I was walking in downtown to get to the building and I didn't even know the significance of how great it was to be in that building yet and I and I heard Patrick Stewart behind me talking and I went oh my god that's just so distinct there he is <laughs> so he was everything I wanted Patrick Stewart to be really
1: Yeah, and that must be such a tall order because I I don't know anyone who who doesn't have this great, you know, very high standard for what Patrick Stewart. But yeah, just great stories, so smart, fun, interesting. Also, very very kind. uh, You know, um, uh, you know, I mean, all actors. If if there's a you know guest guest star or someone with just a few lines you know are are usually very nice but i don't know he he seemed to go out of his way because i think he he knows he could could be construed as being uh intimidating yeah so he seemed to put everyone uh at at ease i noticed with uh with some of the the day player actors and um yeah just amazing stories what a life yeah Uh, yeah
0: Well, he was also uh, speaking of extras, wasn't he? On an episode of uh, Jerry uh, Ricky Gervais's Extras. Good segue. Good segue. Yeah, I love that episode where he's talking
1: about what he's he's pitching Ricky Gervais a movie, but it feels like the 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 point of every scene in the movie is uh, boobs. Right.
0: They they show their boobs. (laughs) Yeah, it's something about just, and we'll have to get them naked. And it's just like the only thing he wants to do is just to get actresses naked. (laughs) Now I I don't know
1: this for sure, but I always kind of thought that 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 scene was so popular that that maybe that was where he was like, oh, I'm going to start doing more comedy now because I, I feel like he started popping up in more more things and was was doing stuff with, um, uh, uh, oh God, I can't who the Family Guy uh, guy, Seth McFarlane. Oh, and- okay. Oh, and- yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, it's amazing that he can do you know just pinball back and forth between drama and uh, and comedy like that. But we shot a lot of great locations uh, in that show. You know, we got to go to the, oh, I don't know. We did like the Laurel and Hardy steps and we did all kinds of cool-, oh, cool. Uh, uh, we never end, we we were talking about doing the Long Goodbye Tower for a while. I guess we now, that I think about, it, we didn't do that, but we did you know Malibu Beach and just all all types of fun uh, LA locations. It was really I, I love being on location somewhere like the like the Bradbury Building was just so awesome. It was
0: that that was a rad day. I was just like sitting there just absorbing everything and being able to go up and down the elevators and. Just Kind of walk around, it was just it, it It felt you know, it's fun to be on a set because it's fun to see the behind the scenes, and at the same time, it's like we're in this building that's just mind blowing. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, when I have people from out of town,
1: I'm usually or sometimes we're if we're doing downtown, I usually feel like uh, uh, do the you know, see the see the little the angels uh, flight trolley. Yeah. into a funicular into the grand central market for lunch and then i and then we pop into i br- kind of bring him into the the bradbury building it's like a surprise like do you recognize this hopefully you recognize this from blade runner as opposed to wolf for 500 days of summer um or uh i don't oh, speaking of i just watched uh the last time i was at the new beverly i saw this movie busting with elliot gould and robert blake they have a shootout that this first of all, the movie was awesome. They have this awesome shootout at the Grand Central Market and then a
0: big scene at the Bradbury building. Wow. Yeah. Oh, speaking of the tower where Elliot Gould is in the last goodbye, uh, and you, and where you shot at. Um, when I first came to LA, one of those studios was open for eighteen hundred a month. Wow. Uh, and this was about wow. nine years ago, and I couldn't afford it at the time. And I just like I'm still beating myself up for just like Tony, you should have just prostituted yourself on Santa Monica Boulevard because that's just that's so iconic. But I'm sure the rent's like skyrocketed now. I don't know if it has rent control there or not. I've also
1: heard don't beat yourself up too much because I've, 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 I do remember those would pop up on curbed L.A. sometimes. I, I also heard there might be something where like you have to rent the key to get in the elevator to get up there. And that's like an extra like hidden expense. That's a little hefty. Oh, interesting! So you would, you know, it, it would not have just been some light prostitution. You would have really had to, right? Lay you yeah. To rent, you
0: key. Oh, uh, I would. I would have had to you lose my ass virginity. It. I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh Wait, there's the a key oh. on this podcast. <laughs> I gotta bend over.
1: <laughs> I know that's like a, it's like a No. Henry story. You you do all that prostituting of yourself, you get the money, you go there, and they're like, "Okay, here's the apartment." But you don't have enough money to rent the key to go up the elevator and you just have to and you may as well be
0: homeless. Right. (laughs) That's a very unique L.A. Unless you're a good pole vaulter. Or that. There was a Marin episode. Um, I I wrote a movie and Eric Stoltz directed it. So it was so much fun. Right. It was so much fun to see Eric in Marin playing the sleazy, uh, the, what was it, the sleazy producer. It was just so much fun seeing him in that. Uh, he was and, so good. And Bobcat so good. Goldthwait, did he direct that
1: episode? He did. Uh, Bobcat was one of those uh, uh, three directors that, yeah. that came in and uh, you know directed the, the bulk of the series. And he was so great. And he's a really generous, I asked a lot of advice um, from him, actually. He was really, really helpful, really great. I, when I met him, I I was like, you probably, just because we're talking, I was like, you probably don't remember, but we have worked together before because my mother and I were extras in one crazy summer. No way. Uh, which was, yeah. And I remembered meeting him and getting his autograph. And Where uh, did they my, shoot that? That was like East Coast. first taste of uh, uh, Cape Cod. I'm from No. Oh, oh, okay. Wow. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, how do I get started? Oh, and Eric Stills, so great. I, a bunch yeah. of, uh, I think a bunch of female executives from IFC, came to set that day and we were like, oh, wow, Eric brings, uh is really bringing the ladies. Yeah. Cause they wanted to meet Eric. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's really cute to see uh, how they. I, I went, I I shadowed him on his last episode. He directed the Madam Secretary. Oh, and, um uh, cool. and it was just fun to be around. Like it was fun to, be, it was fun to be around him again and just on set again. And just to see him at like that high of a level as executive producer and director. And you know and just to be around i love being around him but it was um it was fun when we were in like upstate new york at location scouting and you'd see the the recognition happen when like girls would be like they would be like oh. it's, it's just like we knew they were coming over it's just like selfie time here it comes
1: he's looking good he's looking good yeah yeah and was he wearing this he wears a suit as a director right
0: Yes. Yeah. He was. Yep. He was. He was in a suit. He was. It was funny because he was in a suit, baseball hat, and glasses, and them. And it was so funny because the minute I, I don't know if I brought this up to him after, but he cracks me up because the minute he realized that he was recognized, the glasses just kind of kissed, like sat, came off because he knew it was coming, and um, and he wanted to take the photo without the glasses, you know. But like, it was just there's <laughs> just something so like, dude, this is your life. Like, whoa. <laughs>
1: I remember he he. I don't know if he's method or uh, just such a you know pro. But I remember he had he had just very specific notes about props for the table and like what how he how he you know what he even even what what uh, drink he was having when he's being interviewed by Mark and like what was a, a dream sequence. Uh, I just remember I was like wow Eric Stoltz really he he really knows what he wants uh, and I, I thought that was really interesting, so interesting. I, I think he just i
0: think he, he absorbs storytelling on like every single level that's what that's the fun about it that's what i got yeah um that's the idea i get when i'm a, around him and i like s- try to suck everything i can out of
1: him. <laughs> <Those laughs> everything Those people are great that they're just like sponges of uh yeah. of hollywood
0: knowledge and deep, and that goes deep you don't even realize how deep it goes you're just like whoa wait yeah, it's, it's it's pretty mind-blowing I mean, and then you just, just find out they're just regular dudes which is just crazier you know yeah yeah bobcat must have been so much fun i went i went on um when i probably around the same time maybe uh when one crazy summer was out i lived in san francisco and that when they remember all the regional morning shows they used to have and i went to one specifically because bobcat was at the show but I was too young to go see the comedy show that he was doing later. And I loved him so much. So I just wanted to see him and he did this. um, And that was my first time on a TV studio set in this lame morning talk show. And he was just, he was just giving it to the host. He was just like (laughs) insulting, insulting. And I'm going, and I'm just like, wow, how do you do that? And it was, he was like, there's, and I realized later as I get older, and as I've like I've gone down the Bobcat rabbit hole of um, seeing him interviewed, and there is he does have a disdain for some people when he's being interviewed, and it's so much fun to watch. And I think it's probably half nerves and half he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> he's like crawling out of his skin. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, no,
1: he he definitely has that uh, would seem like a real punk rock uh, aesthetic. But yeah, it was hard to reconcile because he doesn't do the you know the voice and right. Uh, he kid i knew him from the voice although he did do the voice because uh, he has a cameo in that marin eric stoltz episode. right <laughs> uh, but anyway yeah i mean he's he's i mean he has talked about great stories because i think he I think he opened for like nirvana and then he's got right? these stories about uh playing like a juggalo festival um <laughs> and and yeah didn't he like i don't know I, I can't remember if he was playing himself and he like lit like the tonight show couch on fire Yes, in the Gary I mean, channel show, or did that really happen? I, I can't remember. No, he
0: did. It really happened because I was watching it on Jay Leno. When Jay Leno first took the tonight show, he set it on fire, set the chair on fire. That's nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. What a great, he tonight. had lighter fluid on him. Just <laughs> after that, they had to frisk all the actors for lighter fluid.
1: <laughs> uh, well, on Marion, he was, he couldn't have been nicer and yeah, we, we've kept in touch and uh, he's given me some very good, uh, advice and and yeah and then, then I also I, I think he was he, he wasn't very impressed by my one crazy summer story but I think we bonded maybe a little more because I just happened to be at Sundance uh, cramming in all the movies I I could uh, when I had a friend who used to uh, work there and I was at his premiere of his movie stay and uh-huh. he was talking about what a big night that was for him and I was like oh I was I was there and I remember the Q&A and the crowd loved that movie and uh, that's i don't know if it has two titles another t- title is sleeping dogs lie i feel uh-huh. like uh, in the mo- the movie the movie is about a woman who um uh she sleeps with a dog and then uh this comes out and it's like can her fiance uh handle uh this this fact or not was, i need to watch really, that uh yeah it was really good
0: wow oh i need to watch that i remember when he did um shakes the clown which was just absolute brilliance not
1: about our my uh uh, theater teacher drama teacher whatever the theater class was in high school we watched that in class she loved that movie so much yeah i forgot about shakes the clown
0: yeah and i just didn't know how sober he was because even the you know in those early days when you you just assumed he was a drug addict and drank and it's just like no he he's sober (laughs) it's and that's just so beautiful yeah yeah i need some of that yeah exactly <laughs> it's just like where he it's you know i because i um i i can't remember i've been i've been a fan of his for so long but i vaguely remember him talking about um being in a parking lot like out of grocery uh, he was just drinking before going to work and realized that yeah this isn't this is a problem uh probably before he started doing comedy i think he may have done comedy after yeah oh, wow. okay which is just mind blowing cuz you it's just it was so his persona was so not that but, yeah you know
1: it's yeah, just it's fun
0: to like look back and think who knew like i mean growing up my parents you know my my dad was very strict and he'd be like oh yeah no the you know that's satanic that's this that's that on bands or certain things and you're just like you find out they're just happily married people who kind of lead boring lives and put on a great rock show
1: <laughs> oh hold on <laughs> let's let's dig into this because i also my dad was also very strict about certain things but he was that was a catholic flavoring oh yeah yeah so we we might go to a movie and like you know we could go see like full metal jacket and watch somebody get their head blown off uh-huh. but if we're you know the woman in red and Kelly LeBrock is is uh bottomless it was it was you know, practically being thrown out of the theater to go to the concession stand um so you you never knew yeah well I guess you did know anything sexual was was uh foreboding
0: Right. No, exactly. And this is what brings us back to Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, because I remember watching it with my dad and I think it was on HBO and the naked woman comes to the window, which was like the most delightful moment of my life up until that moment in my time. Cause I was just like, is that what it looks like down there? And, um, but the, and my dad just, my, this is what my dad always used to do when, uh, anything risque happened. If even if it was three's company, he would say, tony it was just it it was like (laughs) i'm like i didn't do he would like blame it all on me constantly yes but wouldn't change the channel but it was almost like why are you still watching this because you're the problem and i'm just like and i was like i am the problem i know and it took me a long time to realize i wasn't oh my god this is this is this is very (laughs) triggering Uh, No, so was this a religious thing or was this jehovah's witness yeah okay yeah
1: uh yes yes no that that definitely uh, brings it back for sure um yeah I I mean I I would just like tense up like please don't have there be like a sex scene in this movie please don't right have be a sex scene in this movie oh god I was the I was one of my biggest social fails as a middle schooler or how maybe maybe I was like ten. Uh, was in, being invited over to a fun birthday party. We were going to watch all these fun movies. My friend had trading places. And it was like, yeah, trading places. Some nudity comes on. Everybody's enjoying it, having a good time, having a laugh. But guess who decides to close their eyes and like just bring the party down? Me. Me. I, was, I had been so trained. Right. <laughs> the party did, so was, did they oh. notice? He did. He was not happy. He was not happy. Right. Did they like, rewind? Oh wait, it was on you TV. I invite you over to w- look at some boobs, and you close your eyes and bring down this birthday party.
0: Yeah, but it, was it on a VCR so they could rewind it
1: and make you watch it? I mean, it was on a VCR. I don't remember. I, I don't remember being made to watch uh-huh. it. I mean, maybe maybe after I opened my eyes, I don't know. Because that was
0: Jamie about. Lee Curtis boobs, right? In
1: that movie. This was in this. Maybe I warmed up by the Jamie Lee Curtis seeing this was actually the uh, I believe the party scene. Uh, Eddie Murphy has a party when he brought
0: the- all the hookers and stuff to the house. Yes. <laughs> That's a, I, and just I mean, just to let you know, the these 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 lovely actresses really got me through life and so many times. I remember one time I, I finally got I finally was able to like be home alone and HBO We had HBO at the house, and I was so excited, and I'm like, I am going to see Nudity tonight, and I was so excited, because after 8 o'clock, they would show a rated R movie, and the movie was Barfly, (laughs) (laughs) and I, you know, I didn't even know what a Bukowski was yet, and I'm like, all right, 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 you know, the da, da 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 the following Maybe movie my is favorite rated opening credit R.
1: sequence in all the film that that bar montage oh yeah
0: yeah but when you but when you're a when you're a young teenager who's just you know testosterone is just bouncing all over the place and you're like okay who's who's going to be naked for me tonight and you are watch and i watched barfly for, just for the possibility of nudity and it was a letdown But then I found out who Bukowski was about five or six years later, and then I rewatched it. And it was a different type of, a richer type of excitement. It was. It was. What a weird thing, though. It's just like rated R. And it's just, just even hearing the word rated R from the old announcer's voice on HBO, it's, I just, I just got an erection right now because it just, you know, the following presentation is rated R. And they wouldn't tell you what for cuz right like now it was just like rated r for nudity right. suicide blah 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 no no it's just rated r and that all that meant to me was there's going to be a lot of boobs yeah just hearing that that rated r I would kind of chuck over my shoulders
1: right yeah. <laughs> i would say one of one of my greatest movie memories was my mom picked me up i don't know where i where i was I, I feel like i was supposed to go to the dentist and we we were late and they missed it or something anyway but it was like a total surprise she picks me up and she's like we're going somewhere don't tell your dad. It's a surprise. I'm like, where are we going? We're going to go to the movies. Like, okay, what are we seeing? She's like, I know you've wanted to see this. We're going to go see Beverly Hills Cop. I oh. was so excited, so excited to be able to go to school and tell my friends I'd seen Beverly Hills Cop. Thrilled. Yeah.
0: I got in major trouble for going to Beverly Hills Cop. It was one. It was one of the first movies I ever saw at the R-rated movies I ever saw at the movie theater, and we had to get an older friend of ours to buy us the tickets. And then I told the wrong person in the congregation, and it got back to her mom, which got back to my dad, who was an elder. And then I was brought into the be- into the bedroom, and it's like Tony, we need to talk. And I was busted for Beverly Hills Cop and uh, Breakfast Club. Oh wow! But That's seeing those. Plan? uh i was busted for both of those at the okay. same time and it was found out i don't know what they when exactly how close they came out but it was beverly hills cop and um breakfast club and but at the same time seeing those movies um in the movie theater was worth it it just felt like something it it, it, it was mind blowing yeah i i love both those movies too
1: i remember uh, breakfast club i felt like i was such a badass watching that in the movie theater well good i'm glad you got busted for those and not like i don't know revenge of the nerds or something (laughs) yeah i know
0: revenge of the nerds has its fans but right right yeah i know there's so many there's so many poor movies that it could have happened with but yeah getting going to see those and i just oh man just breakfast club was just like everything in those days just to be able to go back to school the next day and go yeah i saw beverly hills cop you know just kind of nonchalantly and it's just like just leveled you up so much bhc
1: bhc and uh breakfast club yeah and you're wearing like little uh little gloves with the fingers cut off like, <laughs>
0: yeah you're you you like oh yeah i know simple minds yep you never heard of simple minds uh that's your problem <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, the- <laughs> no, our movies they just don't have the same uh the same kick anymore.
0: Yeah, it's it's it, do you do you think that's because it's just everything so accessible? Like there was just there was less access so when we got it it was just so important to us. I guess
1: I mean I really don't know what uh you know we're talking about ourselves when we were right. 16, 14, 14 I don't know what 13 and 14 year olds are up to now. I have no I I I can't even fathom the filth they're just like mainlining <laughs> yeah. from the internet. But at the same time movies have become so oddly sexless. It feels like movies right. are like the last place you would go for uh I don't know titillation or whatever, you know right. that kind of like birds and the bees type stuff if you're a kid. So yeah, yeah. I do not know. I, I did a podcast. What were we? Or we were talking about Halloween? Uh, and the the hosts were, I think they were Gen Gen Z. Uh-huh. Anyway, half the half the podcast just turned into like us talking about me me defending Jamie Lee Curtis is hot because one of the kids was like, nah, I don't really think she's hot. I was like. All right. Let's just pause the podcast here for a second. Let me hold let tape. You tell you, let me let me let me school you in the ways of trading places. Yep.
0: Perfect. A fish call Wanda. Yeah. Absolute. She's absolute you have no idea how much desire she just percolates in a certain for a, for men of a certain era. Yeah. <laughs> now Christopher Guest is a lucky man. I
1: know. And talented.
0: Yeah. It's so much fun.
1: It's weird you never see him
0: together. I guess I guess he's just a real low key guy. And it's, it's and like I mean that's that's Spinal Tap. That's Spinal Tap is like royalty. It, yeah. it, it's like beyond royalty. Those guys from Spinal Tap. It's you know Harry Shearer and, and then he's like literal royalty, right? Isn't he like? I feel like he's the
1: the offspring of a duke or something. There's oh, is some, he? Yeah, there's yeah. some royalty
0: uh, angle there. Yeah, no, those guys. You just, I mean, if they walk by on the street, I just bow down. Yeah,
1: They're big
0: bottoms, big bottoms. Talk about <laughs> bum cakes. My girls got them so good. Duncan, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. All right, we yeah, I've 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 got some ideas for some movies I want to watch, and uh, sounds like you do too. And we we've, we've dug into it. Yeah, we no, did. A long time coming. Thanks for, thank you for having me.
0: in Birmingham on Drinks with Tony. Check out his new book, The Cult in My Garage, as well as his new film, Who Invited Them? Next week on the show, we have Gloria Beth Amodio, and she's the author of God's Ex-Girlfriend, a memoir about loving and leaving the evangelical Jesus. Keep reading books, keep supporting your local library, and check out Duncan's film list on Canopy. I'll see you next week. You're listening to 101.9 FM K-P-C-R-L-P Santa Cruz